Hey everyone, this is Alana Milkes and this is our first English podcast interview. Today we have Priya Kuber. She's a friend, serial technology entrepreneur. She is living in the Bay Area after moving from India where she started one of the first maker movements from the country. She worked as the CEO of Arduino India and um, launched her company, sold it. And then she moved to San Francisco where she started one of the first co-working spaces focused on women entrepreneurs. Now she's working with decentralized technologies to make the internet accessible to everyone and have the power to have self-agency with your data. I hope you enjoyed the interview. Thank you. Hey Priya, how are you? How's everything? I'm good. Uh, thank you for having me on your show, Lana. Uh, no, thank great. you. <laughs> Thanks for, for accepting the invitation. So maybe um, if we start with um, who you are, I think, uh, so that the audience understands who you are and what you're up to. Okay, so whatever I'm going to talk is before my morning coffee, I'm still waiting for my coffee, so it will be absolutely the truth because it is coming from no filter. <laughs> so yes, okay. I am an entrepreneur um, and um, I think I have always been uh, Uh, when I look at uh, certain rules uh, that exist around me, even when I was a child, I used to ask myself, why this rule exists? Uh, because rules are good. They are made for a generation uh, that existed before, but it is important for everything to update according to um, like the needs of the future generations. Like, for example, there was no cell phone before. So these days there is a whole problem around uh, focus for kids. Uh, so the rules need to adapt to the cell phones that have been brought into their lives. Um, so how can, um, so now newer questions arise in the world to solve. Um, so that's just an example, um, uh, ever since school, um, college, and I saw that entrepreneurship and politics were the two places where I could make a true difference in the world. And uh, entrepreneurship seemed to be under control, like because all you need is uh, is a strong will, talent, lots of hard work, and a good idea. And that's how I started my first. And uh, yeah, I have. This is my third company that I'm working on right now. Um, oh wow! It's been ten years that I've awesome. this life. That's a lot of work, I bet. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So tell me, tell me, kind of like maybe your realization of the rules part because I, I like to understand a little more a little bit more about what uh, rules are for you and why why you mentioned them uh, when you're kind of defining yourself yeah because um all of us um like uh, at least i so i grew up in a small town in india called faridabad uh, it is in the state haryana which is near new delhi faridabad this okay. uh, Um, so there, if you're the son of a doctor, you become a doctor. If you're the son of a lawyer, you become a lawyer. Typically, uh, it is the trade that you, you are surrounded by is what you do uh, as a child. Uh, because you kind of uh, know the customers, you know the trade, you know what, what soft skills you need and everything. Uh, but like neither of my parents were entrepreneurs. Nobody I knew very close around were entrepreneurs. They were either engineers or inventors. But uh, um, like monetizing the inventions um, at a large scale uh, was a different uh, story. So rules um, are something that we've always been taught uh, that, okay, follow the rules. This is how this is what you need to do to reach the next next level. And in my head, it would be like, why? 
why should I complete this to reach the next step? I mean, I already have the information for the next step. So, uh, and then um, I oftentimes, um, I have been lucky in life uh, to have been surrounded by at least some people who have bothered to explain why the rules exist. Uh, and I, I am someone who wouldn't stop asking the question um, till I find the answer. So uh, rules have shaped my life. Um, I have uh, stopped myself because of rules. I have broken uh, some rules. Um, and um, thinking out of the box is what uh, is, is, is another kind of entrepreneurship. Like there are different types of entrepreneurship. If you're buying a franchisee from someone, you're following rules. But uh, the type of entrepreneur I am is I question and I challenge rules. That has been a single thread of um, the quality of the entrepreneur that I am uh, in all my ventures. Um, so that's, that, that's where it is close to myself. Like my first business was around open source hardware. Which, is, uh, which was very radical back in 2009 in India. Why open source? Uh, like, why can't we just patent everything and just license? Uh, because the world was changing, because China has caught up into world manufacturing. So even if you patent everything, like clones are going to come out of China. So why not um, uh, like design, make it open source, and, uh, uh, and license it to uh, individual manufacturers like fashion, uh, and they could keep profits. And some of the profit is returned back. So that was a radical new business model. And my second business was a, a women-centric co-working space, the first one in uh, Bay Area. Why women-centric? Oh. Because women need women need different network. Like men, there's always men networks everywhere. But how about women network? And if you just co-work around women, you get a very, very strong, uh, diverse uh, women network. And the third company, again, uh, right now uh, is, um, is around decentralized web. That means we are redesigning the infrastructure that we call the internet today in a way that uh, it allows for um, like anti-censorship, keeps privacy, and in the, with these new algorithms, you're able to keep check on the source of news. That means if there is fake news being spread, we would know where it is coming from, like which sources it coming from. Um, so um, yeah, that is the uh, questioning rules has been the common thread between all my enterprises. That's why rules well, that's, are- that's <laughs> Very interesting. So wait, let's go back to, if you don't mind, let's go back to your yeah. life in India. And um, because I, I, I was in India like maybe two years ago and I saw a lot of more challenging situations that you maybe uh, will uh, expect in countries that have perhaps more women's rights and all of that. So how was growing up in this context? Because you were able to break through those social norms maybe if you want to share um one experience that totally changed you and shaped you and, and made you take that decision to uh, leave india because you right now you're leaving the bay area maybe if you yes. want to share that so <coughs> sorry <coughs> i think <coughs> my no worries but uh yes uh growing up in india was um was interesting uh because so uh india is very large there is no one india there is no one indian cuisine there is uh you know 50 different cuisines because each each state has its own language uh 
uh, and uh, it has its own uh, culture. It had its it has its own food and subculture. Like even within Haryana, there is Hindi, there is Haryanvi, there is uh, like Haryanvi dialect spoken by the Gujars. There is a slight difference with the way Jhar speaks. So uh, yeah, it's very diverse. Um, I uh, I grew up in the north of India. Uh, but my right. family is from the south of India, so I I look different, and uh, my food is different from the people I grew up around. So I basically grew up in uh, two cultures, one inside the home and one outside the home. And uh, somewhere, um, like uh, it was uh, advantageous for me because uh, I was able to learn to adapt to new situations uh, right from a very young age. Um, and the, they were both good and bad. Um, bad because um, I was maybe uh, othered by some, uh, like by, by some other students that are around me because they see me looking different. They see my Tiffin box smelling different. So these are um, these are common um, uh, challenges that any immigrant anywhere uh, faces. Uh, so I got a very early exposure to that, uh, and I have given it a lot of. But yes, there were society structures, rules, regulations that were uh, that were implemented on women. But as I yeah. grew up, I realized that uh, um, they were like they were more implemented on uh, Haryana women. So if I if my family is from south, although I know the rules, I'm expected to follow the rules. But still, if I break the rules, the price is not too much. Because okay, um, I'm still not, um, you know, belonging anywhere. So in a way, being an immigrant, even if growing up was hard, it kind of set me free to uh, to question and to find uh, my own path. But uh, that being said, uh, yes, uh, women in India face very common problems. Like if you're walking on the road, you know, uh, people are like, uh, you know, making comments like, hey, beautiful, in, in a good spirit. But it, it, it is scary when you're like 12, 13, 14, and you start avoiding going out. And uh, uh, men are encouraged to go out. So outside means more experience. That means they get a head start in becoming um, uh, entrepreneurs. Uh, but uh, those men uh, are also giving back. A lot of um, young Indian men are also helping young Indian women to be entrepreneurs and support them, join them as co-founders or fund them. So India is changing. That's where I see we're going. And that's like, you know, very interesting to, to see. But did you, was there like a specific moment or was it throughout the years? Because when did you leave uh, India? Uh, so I left India in uh, 2014, December, like almost 2015 is when I left India. Uh, I left India because when I started my company, um, my only goal was to create a maker movement in India because it, there, it did not exist. And uh, it, it, it had to come from the ground, grassroots level. Like, I did not go to the top college in India. I went to a really, really terrible college because uh, in uh, grade 11 and 12, I think I was suffering from depression. And uh, that's the other thing, um, because my school changed, the, suddenly the, the course load was high, and I did not have the vocabulary at that time to describe what I was undergoing. And uh, fortunately or unfortunately, the teachers and my parents, students did not have uh, the understanding. So I ended up in a terrible college, because 
the those like uh, high school performance is what you get a college or uh, you get a good good or a bad college in india so i ended up in a bad college but i saw that everybody was just being funneled into jobs created from abroad like everybody is like uh, doing some project management consultancy uh, in you know all respects to company like infosys tcs etc but i wanted to bring the entrepreneurship spirit to india just at par at global level and uh, that was my drive and by 2015 i realized that i have done enough work like i started in 2009 my work and till 2015 it was a good run of many years and a lot of makers were already getting coming out of india so there was no further uh, innovation that i at 25 age realized uh, that i had much to do here i had cracked the business model everything was going smooth so i stopped uh, so we had a new ceo i sold the company and i moved uh, to new adventure to uh, san francisco uh, yeah, which is in the heart of the world <laughs> Yeah, exactly. It's like very different too. But hey, how do you start a maker movement from nothing in India? Um so uh very that's a very good question. Uh so first of all, to start any new movement has to be built on the backs of something something older. And um the value proposition has to be very very strong. something that uh that, that people are not getting at any joy or any ease that people are not getting from any other service um so uh my first uh, like my first move was to um um apply for distributorship from abroad uh that means i was not manufacturing my own boards like project boards i was uh, importing and uh, selling uh different boards to see what product sells faster uh okay. and second thing is uh uh i used to give the best customer support if you are if you are creating any new product you have to invest in customer support like people have to feel extremely loved and the, your most important hire as your step one if you are doing anything radical is customer support because if people are not taught how to um how to use something or if people have too much problem they are going to leave your product and move on to some other product the next step was uh, to partner with uh, hackathons there were some uh, software hackathons in india we used to partner with them uh, as uh, as a hardware partner so uh, we would fly in with all the uh, sensors and electronics and people could, uh, uh, could could buy these at a discounted price and it would sell in bulk so um those are good good places and if you're introducing any radical new technology you introduce it to one generation below your target market because it takes a whole generation as they move to the next phase to be educated about your product to carry it on into their lives uh so what we were targeting is college level students for their technical fests and everything we used to go and teach them how to use it and again give customer support for whatever people want to uh build on top of our product so that was and the first three steps nice yeah that's a, probably a lot of work but hey what was kind of the impact that you made do you have um the people that you you impacted so um uh, uh just just to say uh, yes so there i don't like the the work i did was back in 2015 i left india and moved 
the numbers have increased and I don't have the key numbers. But um, I went back to India recently after three years. And yeah. around 70 people just started contacting me on Messenger saying that, uh, come, let's let, let's meet up, let's meet up from different parts of India. And I, I, I basically told them, I picked up four states and I said, okay, I will fly in. You create the meetup around your area. And yes. surprisingly, they wanted me, and those were the students that I mentored directly. They had mentored another generation of students, and that generation had a new batch of students, and literally three generations of students uh, using the same or similar product um, were at the meetup, and it was purely voluntary driven. And each meetup had at least like 25, 30 people in, in one or two days' notice. So the impact was in the in, in, in me revisiting back India after three years that nobody like had quite forgotten. And even in a day or two's notice, if I'm able to pull like 20 to 30 people in four different states, pure voluntary driven, uh, clearly something good has been done um, is, uh, is, is how my um, um, happiness was. And I looked at them rather than just hard numbers. Nice. And I have a question regarding, you mentioned that around that time, so there were a lot of transitions, but, and entrepreneurs usually don't like talking about this, but you mentioned you, you felt depressed and, um, and overwhelmed. So yes. maybe do you want to share uh, ways to first identify it and then move on? Yes, yes, because um, uh, over time I've done a, done a lot of uh, studies around um, um, mental health, about why I feel sad sometimes. And like after a full day of great conference with a lot of people approaching me, the next day sometimes I don't even, I don't even feel like writing back, but I like push myself to like write back to everyone. So I realized that, okay, uh, everybody's brain is different whatever mood we feel is directly dependent upon the chemicals we have in our body. And all of us have limited attention every day. And if we exhaust or like extend ourselves beyond that limit, each of us has a different limit. Uh, um, and if we extend ourselves way beyond that limit, there's, there is about to be a crash. And the limit can be increased by daily practice. It's just like building a muscle. Um, like if you look at weightlifters with big muscles, they did not build this muscle in one day. So I realized it was important to slowly ramp up. Then I realized the importance of a stable family structure. I realized the importance of uh, physical activities. So um, sending a child to school or doing work is not only dependent upon the individual, but it also depends upon the environment. It also depends upon the state of life. And it also depends upon the, the amount of dopamine and serotonin you have in your brain. Um, so... If you're suffering, it is, yes, we can work hard and overcome anything, but there are some things that are outside of control. And if we, if we use our willpower always to make ourselves feel good, then we don't have willpower left to work. So um, it, is, um, it is okay to seek help. It is okay to uh, talk to your parents. Uh, or it, it is important to support your friends who are undergoing um, a mental health low. Like, honestly, grade 11 and 12, my grades were so bad that my parents thought I would not be doing anything good in my life. But 
I just looked back yesterday. I took a, an inventory of what's beautiful in my life. I mean, I am a thriving entrepreneur in the Bay Area with the track record of three successful companies with a lot of friends and family for support. And uh, yeah, just hang in there. It's not that bad, even if you're feeling low. Okay, thank you. And did you, so you moved from India and then you arrived to San Francisco and uh, yes. you mentioned this was like around 2009. Um, no, this was 2015. 2009. 2015. Yes. Right, I'm sorry. Yeah, <laughs> sorry. So you moved to, to the US and uh, so how was that arrival? And then why, oh, is it related with uh, kind of your, your mental state in the moment and then you know, seeking out, creating your own women uh, community? Was it, was there a relationship? Um, so when I came to, um, so uh, my earliest knowledge of my mental health being low was my high school. And it was not until 2016 or 16 end did I realize about mental health issues. Uh, about how it impacts entrepreneurs, especially because when you're handling too much stress, when you're handling too much push in the world, all your bugs become open. Like you cannot run an, uh, uh, you, you cannot scale a software with bugs. Uh, you can uh, you can make your friends and family use a software with bugs because that works. But whatever tries to scale, it is going to break down. Just like that, when an entrepreneur tries to scale, everything breaks down. And 2015, I arrived in uh, San Francisco uh, and uh, I was very lost uh, because, first of all, um, th the way we navigate in India is different from the way we navigate in the U.S. Like in India, uh, I used to drive uh, and I was a fairly confident driver uh, in India, but always you're not driving at high speed. Because there's cows, there's dogs, there's, you know, things that come. So no vehicle is going at too much speed. Um, but when I come here, everybody is driving at like 75 miles per hour to 80 miles per hour minimum. And uh, 65 is the minimum. Before below 65, I will get a road ticket. So I was so scared of driving that I did not drive for like about one and a half to two years. Even after I arrived to U.S., I was taking public transport and Lyft and Ubers is all I was taking. So I realized that the cost of learning is high uh, in entrepreneurship. Uh, so I, I view all the extra expenditure that I do, um, like when I take a loss or when I'm, when I'm wrong, as, as uh, spending on college. Like um, other people would go to college, spend all this money and learn and make more money. I see entrepreneurship as you spend more in the beginning. I see that as college and then eventually I learn and I'm able to make money out of it. So uh, that has been my learning. And that's why I did not freak out too much when I came to U.S. New. But it was uh, hard work, again, to find uh, like-minded people. And uh, hackathons, like women-centered hackathons are great places to meet other fellow women who want to work with you or have uh, uh, like or who live around you next thing was uh, meetup.com every single evening i used to uh, go for some meetup or the other to um, some accelerator and that's how i met my first place where i started volunteering uh and, like it was a white paper that i was doing some research for and then from there 
I started consulting uh, to one of the top uh, hardware accelerators uh, in San Francisco, uh, a startup coming out of there. I did the go-to-market. So similarly, um, you slowly build uh, your street grids because as an entrepreneur, uh, your reputation is very important. And uh, if no one knows you, you cannot survive, even if your product is great. So how do you make yourself useful in a, in a new city was an interesting experience for me. And uh, yeah, it's been four years and I'm fairly happy about my nice. work. And what did you learn while building this uh, women-only co-working space? Because yeah, back in 2015, before the Me Too movement and all of this kind of, um, I guess, outspoken uh, movement that has been just going, yes. um, how was that at that time? So, uh, co-working space was um, what, what came organically from uh, uh, from looking at WeWork and other co-working spaces. Where like um, it was all idea, it was all uh, like like good-looking idea furniture, but still very cookie-cutter. And there was no no space for really UX designers, artists, to like uh, co-work. So um, I started uh, targeting, like marketing people, uh, UX people, um, whatever professions where women are more. Um, it was so, so this so this co-working space um, for the timeline scare was um, in 2017. Is when I started. This. And this was right after uh, the, the US election. So uh, it was uh, it was a time where um, it was uprising for like how women should support women and uh, how we can uh, leverage each other's networks. So that was the um, so the innovation we did was to um, design each room with a different theme um, because um, and create a very beautiful co-working space in a. In, in a scenic area, it was on an island, which is accessible from both Oakland and San Francisco. Um, so I would say there was no pushback, um, but at the same time, it was um, not a very thriving business. For example, uh, one of the revenue models was over but the other revenue model was uh, on weekends, uh, used to let us pay uh, for weddings and uh, uh, parties and events. Um, okay. Around and that started making more money than the forward place because WeWork started giving uh, bulk insurance. So that was a learning opportunity for me uh, about how Silicon Valley business works. Uh, and in the meantime, between my ventures in India and US, uh, I was also I also picked up a couple of jobs. I was working corporate uh, innovation with Exotica and realized that corporate innovation was not my thing. I still like to be the startup mode. Um, so, it, I, yeah, it, it was a good learning experience. I would say a lot of that based about how. Okay, great. And so going like forward, um, so you mentioned decentralized internet. Um, yes. So does this have uh, any relationship with uh, blockchain technologies? Is it something related to this? Maybe if you can explain what it is for people to understand. Yes. So um, internet, uh, so first of all, what is internet? Internet is a, is 
computers connected with each other exchanging information so information can be exchanged uh, within within a room between a computer to computer uh, using wire technologies or with uh, wireless technologies and um, so sending signals um, has been you know around for a really long time that's how we we get like uh, cable tv that's how we get like satellite you know dish antenna um so internet is basically just it's no it's not magic like today uh, we look at apps but we take how things are connected for granted like even when my mother tries to call me over skype she'd be like why is your video so grainy as if i did something wrong she she forgets that this is over internet and internet yeah. can also uh, look bad because of the way encoding is that products can be designed bad uh but it's almost like we take technology for granted so uh internet as we know uh, has been weaponized uh because the services that have been built on top of the internet uh that connect us are also the companies that is taking all of our data and uh because of the data they were able to uh, manipulate uh, um the, the political outcome um so that through fake news um and through uh, directed advertising like if if i like a particular party candidate everybody um like uh, all the news that i would see would be about positive about that candidate or if i hate a certain candidate all the news i would get would be like negative about that candidate so such such uh, like the incentive structure all the algorithms have been weaponized and it is time that we paused again internet works on a certain set of rules again it is time to ask ourselves are these rules serving us for the society that we want to create for like even today i read elon musk is about to give free there is nothing called free i mean you need to realize and ask the question that okay, free how is the money people are making money on top of our data they are using our data shaping the way we look at the world and we are not getting people so this very premise of decentralized internet is a peer to peer information that means instead of your photograph or being stored on facebook server it can be of the same photograph can be stored across different devices across different servers it doesn't only belong to facebook but the data belongs to you and it is a peer to peer communication that works uh, okay that's the difference between uh, decentralized internet that we have like facebook and on a decentralized internet it is like the internet is part of the data but stores encrypted copies of Okay, Priya, can you get closer to the phone and cuz I'm having trouble. It sounds like you're far. Oh, I am pretty close. Uh, maybe it's okay, the Okay, there you go. 
Yeah. Yeah. So very interesting. But what technology are you using to allow for this agency to happen first? Um, so, and also, oh, go ahead. Yeah. Oh, no, no, no. Sorry. Um, I'll let you complete the question. Yeah. And also, what challenges do you foresee? Because, I mean, the more access we have for to infrastructure and devices and the internet, um, at the same time, I guess this is like a double-edged sword. Um, what challenges do you see happening um, and taking place around information and um, data storage and privacy? I see. Um, so it's um, it's so it is a chicken and egg problem. Internet is internet and so powerful that we know today is because all of us consensually agreed upon using it. That means all the hardware has been optimized for our kind of product, like the protocols that we see today. All the services, all the apps, all the people are using in the protocols that exist today. So the number one challenge is nothing but more people joining the network. Because okay. the more, more people join the network, the stronger our network would get. That is how it is, um, like, that is how it is designed. Our... Um, uh, our peer-to-peer -peer internet. Um, so the number one challenge would be like more people adopting. Uh, and uh, the, um, the other challenge is how to, how to um, educate the people about the dangers of letting their information being controlled by any giant like Google or Facebook or one of the centralized giants. Uh, because the way people have learned to make money is by grabbing user data. And the way investors are also tracking growth is by grabbing user data. Uh, so um, what would it take for a, a public mind shift to happen that your data is yours? You should be able to carry it from one service to the other. And if the, if the uh, organization is profiting about, from your data, you should know how much, like by how much. And you have a right to revenue share because if they're, if they're able to monetize their data, sell it to advertisers, you are getting no kickback. So how to change uh, public perception and uh, open dialogue around um, adoption? Those are the two main challenges. Otherwise, the technology that we have designed is uh, already exists. It is solid. Um, and um, yeah, that's the only thing uh, that's required. And then relating uh, that question to public um, perceptions, education, and also the way you perceive yourself. Because let's say a public is made of a lot of people and it's almost like you're redefining their identities in regards to uh, who they are online. How, how do you achieve that? Um, so um, again, just like my work with uh, open source hardware, and that is why I'm so confident that this is the future because I have seen this movement uh, take like um, uh, take roots. Um, so for any movement, you need very good services. Um, and the reason we stepped into uh, uh, trying to fix the internet by not playing by the internet's rules, um, it's... Um, the, the approach would be slow and organic. Like I see around at least five years more of work for any uh, large scale mass adoption. 
but the moment um any country uh, decides to ban twitter or facebook or anything because of um because of whatever uh, oppressive uh, political reasons um we wish to have technology that is ready for uh for for people to connect with each other and uh, and, and share good quality uh, proper information so that people are able to hold on to democracy at least the countries that are claiming to have a democratic regime uh need to have an option for an for an alternate uh to if the government decides to shut down the internet as we know that means the services that we know okay and so going back to give like um you and beyond your work yes um where where do you find inspiration Uh, beyond my work i find uh, inspiration in uh, meditation and learning more about myself because i realize that uh, i can only love someone else if i love myself enough and uh, love does not only mean service love is also taking care of yourself your boundaries what you need what you don't need in life um and the more i learn about myself the better it it shows in my work like i am designing better products i am finding better people so power lies uh, inside and uh, that is one of the places that i have learned to seek inspiration and not from okay and people or experiences that have uh shaped you and made you better and that you can recall right now um experiences that have made me better uh, i am grateful to every person who has ever forgiven me as i was learning when i was building my venture like um arduino's founders my first investors they had a long leash for uh, for, for for mentoring for uh, for for analyzing whether a deal is good or not so i am grateful for everyone who has um, donated their time in in my development and in return i also donate my time in other people's development uh because i realize that uh it's hard especially coming from a developing country it's hard to succeed if you're only alone but if i manage to make five six more people like find five six more people first of all and inspire five six more people together as an ecosystem it is uh, easier to support each other and move to the next level than if you're trying to fight the system alone So yeah donate people have donated me time i'm grateful that's where i've learned and i donate my time further and that's that has been one of the shaping things about my life okay thank you great and so you mentioned this kind of this parity and kind of the knowing that there's something beyond the bay area you yes. coming from india how how do you deal with this because a lot of time human beings you kind know, of forget and take things for granted how how do you deal with the fact that you know what's going on in other regions and you have so much um opulence around you in the bay yeah um how do you deal with that so one of my first mentors told me um start where you are with what you have um and that is something i have told myself like Yes, right now I can afford to live in the Bay Area and and this is the place where decentralized web 
has even has a dialogue other countries like i when i visit are not even talking about it in that detail it is still in, in fringe here slowly it is getting mainstream that's the only reason i'm here but as an entrepreneur you follow the market and uh, if um, like for for the listeners who are in india sri lanka bangladesh pakistan uh, like that side of entrepreneurship there, there is a lot of problems ground level problems to be solved even where you are and it is not easier to be in the bay area than it is to be in india and it is not easier to be in india than to be in the bay area because as an entrepreneur there are there are different rules you will be questioned against here there are different rules you would be questioned against back home uh so wherever you are if you see the opportunity wherever you can afford uh start solving problems there with a solid business model why because it's easier to make the world a better place if we add proper economics to it okay and what do you mean with proper economics mm, as in uh if i want to like if i want to cr- make a pipeline for my village uh if i'm able to create uh, like for water if i'm able to create a business model around okay this much is what it costs to like set the pipeline in this many years i would break even and this much of money um the the private sector people are willing to pay like the village people and this much of money the government is willing to pay this much more i can get grant from this ngo that is running and now everybody's happy everybody's plate is full and i'm able to do something useful uh so it is so it, it's more likely for that village to get water than if the village village just says we just need water we just need water so that is what i mean by proper economics behind good ideas okay so it's more of like a, a design um maybe it's a design approach yes it's Or, design thinking approach okay <laughs> great <laughs> hey so for yeah so you mentioned meditation uh So let's go to kind of like the more subtle and things that you don't see that totally profoundly affect you. So what type of meditation um do you do and how how has it come to your life? Hmm. So I have uh, tried different meditation. So the way I view meditation is the way I view dancing, the way I view sports. So some people say I don't like sports. some people say i don't like dancing but it's not that you or some people say i don't like reading it's not that you don't like reading you have not found your kind of book it is not like you don't like dancing you've not found your kind of dance same with sports you've not find your found your kind of sport there are so many same with meditation and it is important to have more tools uh, more than one kind of meditation like i have mindfulness meditation i have explored silva meditation i have explored vipassana i have explored the hari krishna transcendental meditation so for for a while i was able to do silva and then for a while i i was doing mindfulness for a while i was doing vipassana and then i like vipassana dropped out which is a silent meditation and i am liking doing uh, hari krishna transcendental meditation again so um i rotate like it's it's never that i'm never meditating but the tool the, the choice of the tool change, changes according to the phase of life that i am at 
So whatever choices we make in life need to serve us. Uh, because again, we are a product of the chemicals in our brain. So whatever helps us to live, our, live a full life um, are the things that are profound in meditation for me. And how do you stay open to that? Um, because you've tried, you mentioned rotating. Um, so it's almost like you're always changing who you are, but how do you stay open? It is, uh, I'm going to be cheesy here. Uh, and um, Bruce Lee uh, <laughs> say like, says like, be like water, my friend. And yeah. there's a famous um, uh, um, uh, dialogue of him, uh, which is on video. And uh, be like water, my friend, is, uh, is usually something that um, uh, impacts me. And it's not like I'm always self-aware. Uh, I do drop balls. I do get sad many times. I, I do blow up some things really bad. But at the same time, I, I realize that I, I am good. I am useful. I am, I am better in more situations than I give myself credit for. So I let the bad days slide by and I give myself another fresh chance. Every morning is a fresh chance and every day you're a different person. If you are someone who invests in reading and uh, um, exploring. Okay, beautiful. And what's your greatest dream or maybe greatest dreams that you like to share? I have three great dreams. One is um, how to free internet for everybody. And I also say there are no free lunches. That means the economics that I designed behind this internet should be useful, should be stable, should last. So free internet for everybody, how to make it free is my top priority. Second is education, uh, especially with the digital education coming up, uh, like technologies like AI, we are able to personalize. So personalized education is important because um, I realize that I am intelligent, but uh, uh, in high school, I was not scoring in tests. So is there a better way that I could have learned? Is there another way that I learned? So personalizing education uh, to teach everyone the way they learn uh, is, uh, is the second passion. And the third, uh, I'd like to research in end-of-life technologies because uh, a lot of um, investment is going for um, infant technologies because babies are precious. A lot of technology is going for like financial technology. But what about old people? Like especially the future of family is nuclear families. So as we are growing old, how to age gracefully and how to die gracefully? Because we are all going to die. And it is silly for me to not think of that day. Uh, um, like not from a place of oh God, I'm dying, but from a place of how to do it well. Uh, those are the three uh, passion areas that I have to work in this lifetime. Okay, this is beautiful. And I don't know if you want to um, share a message to, to our audience. Um, well, uh, surround yourself with, with other like-minded people. If you, are, like, if you are someone who questions, who creates new systems, if you are an entrepreneur, wherever you are, just actively try to find other people who think like you. Uh, uh, because loneliness is not only for depressed people. Even the most successful people get lonely. And it is up to you not to be lonely. 
but let the people who are not vibrating at your frequency also pass. That is a service you do to them and to yourself. Uh, find like-minded people is the only um, advice that I have learned. Okay, thank you. And how can people reach out to you and learn more about your work? Uh, so people could reach out to me on Twitter. I mean, Alex is a pseudonym that I usually use. Priya Kobeer is my official name. So uh, A-L-E-X, Alex, Z-E-N-Zen, P-H-Y-R, Fire. So Alex Zen Fire uh, is my Twitter handle. Um, uh, Alex Zen is me on Instagram. Yeah, those are the places that people can reach me. Okay, thank you so much, Priya. It's been, uh, it's been great having you. Thanks a lot. Anytime, Alana. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> thank you. Bye. Bye.